Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 87, Horses. I put a dramatic pause in there because this episode, people. Let's let's tell you a story about this episode. Go ahead. Tell them. Tell them the story. So I, I messed up and <laughs> we recorded this episode and in the recording process, I completely forgot to plug in our microphones. The interface. Is that what happened? That was the first time. The interface oh, okay. was just straight up not plugged into my computer. And the recording was from my laptop mic, which was not suitable. Correct. Then we re-recorded it. And in the saving process, the file appeared to disappear. But in fact, reader, listener, uh, where was it hiding? It was hiding on my backup hard drive. And I only discovered this because we were having an interview with a very special guest whose interview I valued so much that I double-checked that I had saved the episode both to my hard drive and to my backup. And what did I find? I find our lost episode on horses. It was it was like a like a ghost of a sailor come home for his wife and she's not <laughs> she's not sure she's happy about it because it is scary, but it did happen. And now you get this episode. That's a great point because this genuinely I am going to give you a little bit of a warning here. This is a very scary episode. And uh if you listen before Julia just shrugged, uh but if if you listen before going to bed or listen with small kids, you may want to screen this um and or listen in the daylight. To be fair, there's only there's some nice parts in here, and then there's some extremely scary parts in here. Yeah, and I is... have no regrets. Uh, Julia, that's what I rely on you for to to bring me the wholesome stuff and also the scary stuff. Do you know who else has no regrets, Amanda? Is that our new patrons, Nina, Katie, Rachel, and Britt? God, I hope so. <laughs> and. I think that uh, folks who like, they have such a well-adjusted attitude to life that, that you know, mistakes are not mistakes, but experience points and stories. Um, that attitude belongs to our supporting producer level patrons, Philip, Julie, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Ella, Ashley Marie, Neil, Jessica, Maria, Ryan, Phil Fresh, and Deborah, as well as our legendary legend level patrons, Sandra, Audra, Mercedes, Jack Marie, Leanne, and Cassie. They never have cursed episodes that sometimes appear months almost years later after they've been recorded <laughs> never ever ever uh julia do you remember what we were drinking frankly i don't honestly amanda it was lost to time much like this episode you know what that's okay maybe this episode requires some mystery punch mm-hmm. yeah you know not sure it's, what's in there we'll it's find like out. you're going to a college party and someone brings out a vat of one would assume alcohol you have no idea what went in there but it doesn't matter because it tastes good and it gets you fucked up and it's important before such parties to make sure you have some sustenance in you. Um, That's true. Because, you know, you don't want to drink on an empty stomach, uh, which is why this week's sponsor, RX Bar, is such a killer choice. RxBar.com slash spirits using the code spirits for 25% off your first order is going to be a good idea. Get that protein in your stomach so you can drink more. I love it. And uh, finally, for this week's intro, we wanted to plug again the newest show on Multitude Horse. It is a horse-themed week. This Haunted Horse episode was back just in time. I cannot believe the timing. I genuinely cannot believe that this has happened. It was a genuine accident, uh, but we are very happy for it. Uh, But if you like uh, witches... If you like scary stories, if you like stories about people's moms, if you like BFFs talking about stuff they love, you're also going to like horse. 
If you like to hear why Ben Franklin, out of all of the founding fathers, would make the best player on a basketball team, this is the podcast for you. It absolutely is. Look up horse or multitude in your podcast app. And it'll be there. It will. And without further ado, brace yourselves, people, for Spears Podcast, episode 87, Horses. Okay, Amanda. So... Given what I've seen in our social media, uh, we are now very associated with murder horses. Um, I am so proud and honored to accept this mantle. <laughs> Me too. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, so I don't know what exactly we did to spark this craze uh, with people besides loving Kelpies too much, I guess. I don't know. But if loving Kelpies is a crime, I don't want to be right. I just <laughs> I don't, don't want to be right. right. No, I don't. Um, but I figured, like any good entertainer, I want to give the people what they want. Uh, so this is going to be an equine-themed roundup. Murder horse roundup! Murder horse roundup. I'm so excited, and my neighbors are probably so confused. Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, and I promise that uh, I'm not even going to mention the fact that you were secretly a horse girl as a child in this episode. Listen, Julia, give me the tape. Show me show me the tape. <laughs> I will show you the tape. I will show you photos of us riding horses at horse riding lessons together. I was a girl who rode horses. Uh-huh. I was not a horse girl. <laughs> horse girl. <laughs> <laughs> if this is the sticking point in our friendship, I'll take it. It's fine. I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> So, like any episode, when we have a roundup, you know where we're going to start. Scotland? (laughs) (laughs) Japan? Let's let's try that again. So, like any roundup episode, you know where we're going to start. Japan? No! Where? Greece, motherfucker! Greece! Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. We're just going to leave that all that in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) I resigned Uh, from the podcast. uh, We're going to have obligatory Greek stuff, because that's how we do. So, the Greeks were really big fans of the horse, as one is. Mm -hmm. uh, And you can tell that by the story... The fact that they have a story that explains the origin of the horse. Oh, yeah. Then, you know, it's important to the society if it's like origins of stuff. Hmm, let me think. Water, sky, land, horse. man, horse. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. You just like, oh, it's it. so important. We need to talk about the horses. Yeah. Um, so the story starts with how Poseidon was into Demeter, uh, which we learn from our Medusa story never ends well. Don't fuck a sea god. Never fuck a sea god. Demeter wasn't about it. So in order to deter him, she asked him to make her a gift. She asked for the most beautiful animal she had ever seen. And as the mother of plants and agriculture and stuff, she's seen a lot of animals. Yeah. In order to impress her, Poseidon creates the first horse. But it takes a bit of time for him to make a perfect, elegant creature like the horse obviously right, right. <laughs> which is like what the the peak of symmetry like i don't I, yeah I, don't get me wrong i, I like horses i, I don't get why they're the too. most perfect but i don't whatever. know man they're just so free and majestic and i mean they're very useful they are uh so poseidon actually puts more focus into creating the horse than he does into his interest to demeter classic also what a good redirection tactic i know she's it, so smart it worked so well uh so by the time the horse was finished he wasn't really interested in demeter anymore oh my god so perfect <laughs> We get the fuckboy goes away and we get a horse. So he made the horse for land, but he liked the idea of a water version so much that he created the hippocampus, <laughs> uh, which is a literal seahorse, not like tiny, tiny seahorses with their little pouches, right. but a horse that has a fishtail. Oh my God. So cute. So historically, uh, the hippocampus was part of Etruscan mythology, but was later adapted to Greek mythology. Man, Etruscans, they don't get enough love. Yeah, the Etruscans don't get enough love. They kind of get enveloped into early Greek mythology and we forget all about them. Um, 
so the hippocampus, like I said, top half is full horse, bottom half is fish. Uh, occasionally, they'll even have wings, which is kind of cool. Undersea Pegasus. I'm into I don't it. hate it. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of re- in a decent amount of art, uh, Poseidon is seen riding riding a hippocampus into battle, and is usually described in the stories as a two hoofed horse. Huh. Hold on. So what 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 has two hooves? The horse. It's standing up. No. So it's. It's the front part of it. Right. The fir- front legs. Yeah. Horse. Right. Up to the waist, horse. Okay. Hit the waist, fishtail. Oh, I thought you meant that the tail of the horse was instead a fishtail. No. Which I was like, oh, cute, like a rudder. That would not work very well for swimming, I uh, don't think. I mean, the little legs could swim and the tail could steer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking how ridiculous that would look. You know what's great Flip about flippers? Big surface area, nice and flat. Exactly. You know what horse legs aren't? Not that. <laughs> not those things not that you flippers. just described. <laughs> I'm, I'm no equine scientist, but I can tell you that horse legs aren't flippers. That's true. That's very true. Um, But of course, Greek stories about horses do not end there. No. Um, We all know what we're going to talk about next. Did someone fuck the horse? No. (laughs) Kind (laughs) of, I guess. Pegasus. Centaurs. Oh, good. You you said fucking the horse. You'd think half horse, (laughs) half human would be where your mind goes. But no, you go Pegasus for some reason. Oh, man. You're just not on the ball today, my friend. I'm not. My my river horse, triple horse, is too strong. Yeah, mine too. All right. Anyway. Um, so anyone who doesn't know what a centaur is, it's basically just a horse lower body, which all four legs, and then a human uh, from the waist up. So where the neck of the horse starts, it's a human waist up from there. Yep. So Which is weird to describe when you'd have to say it out loud. Yeah. I always wondered, like, do you, you know, double stomach, like double lungs? I mean, I yeah. don't know what the whole deal is there. I don't know, man. I, I could not possibly start to think about the anatomy <laughs> of a centaur though there's a great book series that i'm going to forget now where it basically creates the anatomy and it's illustrated and it's the anatomy of uh of mythological creatures and it's very cool and i cannot remember for the life of me i will look it up and put it in the show notes listen there are a lot of stories about centaurs and i could easily do a full episode on centaurs uh but we're going to dumb it down for uh you mostly (laughs) (laughs) and just talk about horses and talk about centaurs let's do it uh centaurs were born of ixion who is the king of lapith lapiths it's like a weird it's a weird thing lapiths who was the son of Ares, and uh nephile who is a cloud nymph who took the form of hera okay zeus sent nephile to ixion to test his integrity because he had expressed his lust for hera in the presence of Zeus, which you don't do. No. Just don't do it. You're like, yeah, like in, in the way that you're like, yes, king, you're so smart. Yes, you're so, you know, queen, you're so beautiful, etc. Mm-hmm. You're like, yes, Zeus, you're the only person who like has sexual to... desire in this room. Yeah. Um, so Ixion, of course, fucks up. He has <sighs> sex with Nephili, who is disguised as Hera, uh, and fathers the centaurs. Oh. The centaurs form different tribes, which could be found all over Greece and Cyprus. And centaurs in Cyprus were actually said to have been fathered by Zeus, who was going after Aphrodite, but she managed to elude him. Frustrated, he, quote unquote, spilled his seed on the ground and the no. centaurs were born of the earth. Uh, but that's the Cyprus okay. story. Okay. Yeah. That's, that is, uh, A, super interesting sort of infrastructurally. Like, I, I didn't know that there were, there were meant to be, you know, uh, 
colonies and lore and, mm-hmm. and societies. Like that's awesome. Um, but B, so why did they come out as centaurs? Like if, if two gods, you know, well, so the one was a mortal man right. and then he had sex with a nymph. Right. And one would assume that Zeus had something to be involved with that. So he had the children that were born of that oh, relationship become quote unquote monsters, which I don't consider centaurs really monsters, but were they monsters um, in the in the kind of imagining of that society? Um, somewhat. There's okay. there's some arguments where they're kind of um, described as brutish, mm-hmm. um, but there are a few centaurs who are considered like intelligent and teachers, and like we'll talk about one in particular later on. Cool. Um, so the so the centaurs from Cyprus, uh, they actually would have horns. That was the distinguishing factor between the ones from Greece and the ones from Cyprus. Ooh, little tiny ones or like ram style? Uh, little tiny ones, I think. Cute. Don't you think about how nice it would be to have that if you like put your sunglasses back on your head, you know, or like wanted to wear a headband, it would never slip. That have, is like, very a cute. Point. That's adorable. We'll, we'll get you some like prosthetic horns so you <laughs> could try it out. <laughs> So the war between them was known as the Centermachy, and it was considered a metaphor for the conflict between base or lower appetites and the civilized behavior of humankind. Wow, that is a pretty good metaphor. It is a pretty good metaphor. I like that a lot. So the war actually ends when well-known hero Theseus enters the conflict and helps the Lapiths win the battle. Um, not all the centaurs were considered beasts or monsters or barbarians, as we discussed. Um, there is Chiron who was considered wise and just and was fostered by Apollo and Artemis. That is a pretty good parentage. It's, I Honestly, <laughs> that's a solid parentage. I would want to get parented by them. Right. They're, like if I, if I had to choose, you know, I don't know if I could choose any better. No, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, so TBH, I would kind of want to be, I would kind of want to have Hades as my dad. I would want Persephone and Hades as my parents. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, Persephone seems a little volatile in a way that, like, I don't need more predispositions toward mental illness, honestly. But, like, Hades, great, like, lineage, like, great domain. Visiting home is real easy. Just, like, peel open a, a like, trap door of grass, sort of Acme style, and, like, okay. jump down there. Um, I, I think you're giving, you're not giving uh, Persephone the credit that she's due. She, she may be volatile, but her volatile state, it, like, has bounds yes. in which it, like, yeah. it, exists that's true and i think it is a good example to you know uh show kids that you can you know be angry and recover and you can be sad and recover and like you you know there's like normal ups and downs to life and it's important to kind of model resilience yeah exactly your 26 year old friend's parenting corner there we go uh back to chiron uh so from apollo and artemis he learned medicine botany pharmacy music uh archery uh prophecy and was involved in the training of several warriors and heroes, including Achilles. Oh, my God. What a catch. Yeah. Um, oh, and speaking of uh, prophecy, uh, in my mind, I was like, oh, so this is just like Ferenz. I was just going to say Harry Potter. Wicked, right. Uh, and many of. Oh, sorry. I, I meant um, I meant uh, Dr. Dillamon from from Wicked. OK. But he's a I think it's a sheep or a ram. He's a goat. Um, Oh, okay. He's well, a goat. He reminds me of this guy. Anyway, okay. continue. That's but yes, friends. Uh, but friends and the centaurs in the Harry Potter series are yeah. very closely associated with the art of divination and prophecy. They are. Uh, which is very cool. And we don't really... I mean, J.K. Rowling doesn't really discuss it as much as I would hope that she did. But this is the connection that she makes and why like, they're able to use the... Uh, the stars in order to tell prophecy and why Ferenzi ends up teaching uh, divination at the end of Order of the Phoenix. Yes. Uh, And similarly to what you described, they are sort of 
you know, strong and taciturn and unpredictable, slightly like they're meant to be a little bit intimidating, but not scary and not, you know, uncivilized. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's actually a, a pretty good analog, it seems, to to what you describe them having thought in the moment. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting, too, when you're creating a horse slash human-like figure um, where they have this sort of unknown mystique to them. Yeah. Which um, the Greeks tended to give themselves a kind of pat on the back, like, oh, we're so intelligent and so civilized. (laughs) Um, But meanwhile, these creatures had a power that they don't necessarily have. Yeah. And I mean, I know it wasn't as simple as we think it is, right? Like I think of ancient Greece as like all paved in marble, you know, and then like big columns mm. and, and democracy and things. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's not how it was for the whole era or yeah. all over the place. It's like super or late Greece. Ever, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but part of me thinks, you know, doesn't anybody in a society that's, you know, organized and civilized enough to, you know, have mythos that they write down and refine and, and all that, like, doesn't part of you yearn to rebel, you know, and, and like yearn to encounter the monstrous and, things that you don't understand. Um, so for them to have, uh, you know, these creatures have a, a whiff of humanity, but they're wild. That is really appealing on some kind of base level. I agree. I think it's, it's really cool. And it is a very good, uh, representation of what the Greeks kind of mean in current philosophy and like our understanding of the Greeks. Yes. I, I think that's pretty on on the nose my friend also uh friends or frenzy i don't know how you actually say it um definitely sexiest non-main character in harry potter fight me non-named character non-main character uh, oh non-main character remus lupin my dude remus Mm-mm. Mm-mm. all right whatever i want remus's sweaters i want to have a hot and tawdry summer affair with charlie weasley and then i you know what what i'm just confused <laughs> all right yeah all right go on uh and and you know i'd go on a date with friends all right it's cute okay drawn a line in the sand i've drawn a line in the sand right there <laughs> where i'm not gonna cross it you can cross it i know I'm, I'm watching you not cross that line neither right. am i go ahead, we're we'll, going on we'll revisit at a later date what what our relationship might look like but uh, he seems nice and uh, mysterious uh speaking of harry potter and not too far away from greece we have the roman hippogriff hey uh the first mention of the hippogriff is from our boy virgil uh, who mentions it in his poem, The Ecologue. The hippogriff is a steed born of a mare and a griffin. It is supposedly extremely fast, and in the story it is able to fly around the world and to the moon. Wow. Yeah. In classical era, starting around the early 16th century, uh, hippogriffs were ridden by magicians and like a knight or two. Wow. Um, in some traditions, the hippogriff is said to be a symbol of love uh, as its parents were natural enemies, which I like. <laughs> That's very sweet. That's, That's very really, sweet. Really yeah. Adorable. Uh, in other stories, it is said to be, uh, be the Christian dualistic representation of Jesus's divine and human nature. Sounds like syncretism. Syncretism at its finest. I mean, you're in Rome. Like, you're going to get that syncretism I know, at some point. I know. Hotbed. Just a hotbed of syncretism. <laughs> I took a great class in college where it was called The Religions of Rome. There you go. And got to go to Rome for two weeks. And yeah, it was you did. wonderful. But I wrote you a bunch of letters that you opened one each day. You did. It was very cute. Um, but it was an excellent, excellent class. And uh, yeah, there's a shit ton of syncretism when you're in Rome or in the Roman Empire. That's just how it works. So Amanda, let's head to the grassy plains of India and Persia to see a creature called the Carcadon. But first, I'm going to need a refill. Let's do it. Jules, sometimes you have the kind of night where you frankly forget a little bit of it. 
mm-hmm. you know, you try not to, but that kind of thing happens occasionally. And I must admit the only times in the past few years that I have uh, made some poor choices when it comes to uh, drinks, which are our favorite pastime mm-hmm. perhaps, um, was when I forgot to eat before I went out. And this is not a like on brand talking point for RX bar, but I love to keep one in my purse so that I can just eat on the go. Got something there. If I end up, you know, going for drinks with a friend and it turns into, you know, a night to remember, I'm going to remember it and, you know, be the level of, of buzz that I want to be because I have an RX bar. Sometimes bar food is too expensive. If you're meeting someone for happy hour and you have to go from work to the happy hour, Sometimes you just want to like down some food before you go. And RX bar is perfect for that. You are absolutely right. And you know what? I'm lactose intolerant. So a lot of bar food does not work well for me, but I have no issues at all with RX bar, which are not only like made from actual food ingredients, real, you know, cacao, fruit, spices, stuff like that. But also the protein is in the form of egg whites, which are very easy for your body to absorb. And they give my very delicate tum no problems whatsoever. And the best part is they actually taste good, which not a lot of protein bars do. Let's be real here. What's your fave recently? Ooh, my fave right now. Ooh, you know, I really like the chocolate sea salt. I like that savory sweetness, you know, like I don't like overly sweet stuff. So a little bit of savoriness like really brings it together for me. Yeah. And there are over 10 flavors. So whatever you like and however and wherever you want to use them, we definitely recommend checking out rxbar.com slash spirits and entering the promo code spirits at checkout for 25% off your first order. Yeah. So check it out, get a snack, and you're going to need it before we head back into this episode. All right. We have our refills and let's go. We find ourselves now in the grassy plains of India and Persia to see a creature that is known as the Kakadan. Ooh. Uh, early descriptions from the 10th century describe it as an animal with the build of a buffalo and with black scaly skin. Whoa. A dewlop hanging down underneath the skin. It has three yellow hooves on each foot. On the top of its nose is a single horn that is bent upwards. <gasps> Whoa. What, what creature are you getting from this? Rooster? Rooster? Yeah, like scaly three-toed feet. Scales, one single, like, you know, kind of cockerel on top. No? It was a rhino. Rhino is what we were looking oh, for. I mean, okay. Show me rooster. Nope, only rhino. <laughs> <laughs> I am just, I'm, I'm like, I'm like a drunk person doing darts. Like, I am just surely, like, very confidently throwing my, my shot, and it's ending up way far left. It's field. ending up in someone's neck, like, three <laughs> feet away. <laughs> um, so... I got rhino. Clearly you did not. Uh, But there was some major confusion about rhinos and unicorns during this time because Persian language used to use the same word for both of them. Oh, my God. Which was carcadon. Wow. Uh, Its horn was said to be used as an antidote for poison. And later it was often used for the manufacturing of knife handles. Its name also means Lord of the Desert, which I think is really cool. That is super badass and also um, super sad because poaching is real and some of these beliefs persist. And to be fair, this was, you know, while the um, while the species was still thriving and right. it was like an acceptable thing to hunt in that area because they would use it for meat and all that. Mm-hmm. But now poaching for ivory and poaching for horns and all of that is a really fucked up thing and don't do it. Yay, PSA. In case we haven't said it yet in this episode, we are drinking River Horse uh, Triple Horse, which is a Belgian-style ale that is brewed with spices, and it tastes exactly like banana bread. It does, and it's it's one of the, like, Belgian beers that you can find in, you know, like, most kind of beer retailers. I love all kinds of craft breweries and things, but if I can't find something I like, I know River Horse is going to get me. 
I feel you. I feel you real hard. I know how, I know that feeling with a uh, Westbrook uh, Goza. Yes. That's how I always go yeah. for the Westbrook Goza. I walk into a beer store. I say, listen, man, fuck me up. What's the saltiest beer you got? And I buy that for you. It's me. Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly correct. And okay. you should say, what is what is the highest ABV? Okay, I'll take two. And that's me. <laughs> or what's the darkest thing you have? I will drink it. Yeah. I mean, like often those correlate. Like often it's like, it's a quad, like I love quadruples, right? Mm-hmm. I, like I love super serious, like porters and stouts. I love, you know, uh, like red ales that are yeah. really potent. Um, but you don't do barley wine, which is usually like the highest ABV. I don't mind barley wine. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah. It doesn't seem like your taste. Like I feel like it would be too fruity for you, but. Listen, props. babes. Props. I, I go fruity on occasion. All right. Um, so we're going to move a little bit further east uh, where we discover the Longma, which is a fabled winged horse with dragon scales in Chinese mythology. Whoa. I love this this image, by the way, of like a, a, a quadruped scaled thing. Mm-hmm. I think of scales and my brain goes to, you know, little lizards, snakes, fish. <laughs> roosters, apparently. <laughs> I mean, little scaly feet. Listen, roosters are modern dinosaurs. Fight me. Listen, I know. Birds are creepy. Because they they're are. just velociraptors, but scaled down. A hundred percent. Point being, I, I love the image of like a big glistening scaled, you know, like monster that can really fuck you up. Yeah. Uh, so seeing a longma would not only be amazing, but it is also an omen that a legendary sage slash ruler is coming into power. Whoa. I thought you were going to say omen of death. No opposite. No exciting things. Whoa. Uh, its name combines the word dragon and horse, uh, and the word can also mean an eminent or strong person or someone who has vigorous spirit in old age, which uh, I love. Amazing. So May good. we all aspire to be longmas in our old age. Yes. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick poem about the longma. Oh my God. You know please. it's my favorite thing. Yes. And your favorite thing. The heavenly horses are coming, coming from the far west. They are crossing the flowing sands, for barbarians are conquered. The heavenly horses are coming. Jupiter is in the dragon. Should they choose to soar aloft, who could keep pace with them? They will draw me up and carry me to the holy mountain of Kunlun. The heavenly horses have come, and the dragon will follow in their wake. I shall reach the place of heaven and I shall see the palace of God. Holy shit. That was so beautiful. Some good imagery too. And also in about 30 seconds, um, you just entertain me more than the entire Doctor Strange movie. (laughs) And also uh, the entire Iron Fist series. Oh, fuck. That's what I meant. Sorry. No, no. Both of those are very like Kun lun E. so I give it to you. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That was... I just saw um, uh, Thor like yesterday, so mm-hmm. my, my brain is like, oh, fucking Doctor Strange. Get get out of here. Ugh. Get out of here. But uh, it is excellent. Uh, but holy shit, that's so good. I, I love that idea. What is the line about Jupiter? Jupiter is in the dragon. Oh, fuck. Like that is the kind of prophecy where if I uncovered it in a game or read it in a book, I would be like... I'm all in. Shit's like, going I, down. I need to know. It's and, really cool. Oh, like I, I also, I love the idea of an omen of great things, you know, mm-hmm. of, of like conquering is being done and you will soon know why and how and where. Um, it's just so awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool poem. I think the Longma just being this representation of all of the good and like power and like, you know, high esteem is a really, really awesome image. And as applied to somebody nearing the end of life, 
Like you can, you can view that as, you know, oh, they're on the decline. Like they're almost out, et cetera. Or you can say like, this person is about to fucking crush it. Yeah. Like they have done a great life and they've learned so much and they are like, like ripened to bursting. Mm-hmm. And you know, they have just, just a spirit like bigger than them within them. Yes. I don't know. It's, it's awesome. No, it's really cool. It's a really, really great image. It's one of my favorites on this list. And was there an author to that poem or was it just kind of like unattributed? Um, I don't have the author on hand, but I... I can look it up and put it in the show notes. So we're going to head back to Europe really quick. Uh, and we're going to talk about Sleepnir. Okay. Since you mentioned that you just saw Thor recently. I sure did. Um, Sleepnir is the eight-legged horse. Oh, no! Do you know this story? No, I don't like the look of it. Okay. I don't like an eight-legged horse. What? Get out of here. Okay. We're... Get out of here with your eight legs. Shh, no, you're going to love- Take at least four of them and go. You're going to love this story, though, my friend. <sighs> I, I, I need a minute. I, and I was all excited to be like, and Julia, we had no horrifying mashups of creatures this episode. <laughs> you know I have to include at least a couple. There's a, there's another really good one later on, too. <laughs> all right, you ready? <sighs> okay. So, sleep near. He is the steed uh, of Odin, and he is the child of Loki, uh, and it is described as the best of all horses. Uh, okay. <laughs> he is, in some stories, said to be needed to ride to the location of hell. Okay, okay. Which is really cool. Uh, Sleepnir has a cool story because when the gods were beginning to establish Midgard and build Valhall, uh, an unnamed builder offered to build the fortification of the gods in three seasons that would keep out invaders. Okay. Uh, his price was Freya, the sun, and the moon. Freya um, being the wife of Odin and also like the mother goddess, basically. Uh, too too much? Too high? No, no. So the gods agreed to this. Fuck. Um, but place a number of restrictions on the builder, saying he must do the building with the help of no man. Of of no people right now not a person named no man no that like no pretty, no no other people that'd be a pretty dope loophole in the like macbeth style like no man of woman born <laughs> <Yeah>. prophecy <laughs> uh the builder asks to have the help of his stallion which the gods allow uh and with the help of the horse he is just about able to manage to pull this off so okay. he's about to do this thing that the gods didn't think he was going to be able to do. And was it like physical fortification? Yes. Okay. It was like a, it's a palace basically. Okay. Um, and he manages to almost pull this off with three days to spare. Uh, the gods panic and decide that it's Loki's fault because he argued that the builder should be allowed to use the horse. Everything is indeed Loki's fault. That's right. Um, so they make Loki scheme so that they can get away with the builder <laughs> and Loki. make him forfeit his payment. Okay. By, you know, right, vo- right. Uh, violating his terms of contract, basically. Whatever. Do they turn the horse into a person? So Loki turns into a mare. Yep. There we go. And basically seduces the builder's horse. There it is. Um, so he can't meet his deadline. The Thor kills the builder and Loki gives birth to Sleipnir. Wow. So much. So much. Loki is such a gift. God, yeah. it's it's a pretty good story. It's very like trickery will save the day. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like trickery will save you from the mistakes you yourself made. <laughs> yeah, pretty to, much. To be fair, but that poor guy, oh, he died. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we he tried to trick them into being, you know, giving up Freya and also the sun and moon. That's true, and it also feels like if you have that that level of talent, like surely you have some kind of obligation to share it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how how dare you like extort people for the the celestial bodies? Yeah, help the gods out a little bit, you know? 
yeah, like, you know, show them, show them your soft belly and give them a, uh, a sacrifice and maybe they won't fuck your horse. Sure, pretty much. <laughs> so Amanda, because you mentioned it, we're going to move on to another story that includes your favorite thing. Let's go. Fucked up animals. Give it to me. Um, so this story that we're covering is the story of the Tikbalang, uh, which is a tall, bony humanoid creature with the head and hooves of a horse, disproportionately long limbs and a human body. Great. Worst of all worlds. Uh, this story is from the Philippines. Shout out, Philippines. We love you. I had hoped and prayed that it was. <laughs> uh, I heard the name and I was like, wait, are we back in arguably my favorite country? Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. Uh, so in some stories, the uh, Tikbalang is said to have been a transformed fetus that died before birth, uh, which was sent to Earth from limbo. Oh, yeah. Kind of sad. Uh, the Tikbalang has roots in Hinduism and ties to animism. Uh, they scare travelers, lead them astray, and play tricks on them such that travelers keep on returning to an arbitrary path no matter how far they go or turn. Yikes. Which is my favorite thing of all time. I know. I really, I really, you know, like and fear that as a trope. That is my favorite horror movie trope, I yeah, think. It's, yeah. It's definitely up there. Yeah. Um, if you find this happening to you, all you have to do is wear your shirt inside out and you'll find your path again. <laughs> I love it. I know. It's so easy. Uh, so you'll stumble upon a tikbalang standing at the foot of a large tree looking for anyone who means to do harm to their forest or to their trees. Oh, so they're like protective. Yeah, they oh. are. They're like forest spirits. They're all protecting right. certain trees or certain areas of a forest. So that kind they're of like a, like a druid spirit, which, which I imagine as being like very elongated, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of wispy like a tree. Um, um, but with a fucked up horse head. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, sun showers, actually. Um, or, you know, if anyone doesn't know what a sun shower is, it's when there's rain, even though there's a clear sky. Right. And I, it's sort of like, whoa, how's this happening? Yeah. And like a lot of different cultures have different names for it. We call yeah. it sun showers. Other people call it other things, which I don't know. Um, <laughs> but in Filipino, it is known as a tikbalong is getting married. Oh. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> Did I turn you around on the creepy tick form? You did, I think. Only because it reminds me of like every time you see a rainbow, like a, a, you know, a gay kid is having their first kiss or something, you know, like I I try to have like adorable queer head cannons like that. Okay. And um, that one is, that one is super cute. It's really cute. Also in my head, all all tick belongs are are just really uh, kindly um, gay forest spirits. All right. Fair enough. I'm into it. Can't say I'm wrong. All right. I can't can't say you're wrong. there's no right. (laughs) Um, And then, ooh, Here's another good one. Oh no, Julia just had such a look of glee on her face that I am visibly recoiling. The next is the Nukalavi, uh-uh. um, which I find probably the most horrifying uh, horse creature on this list. Well, saving the best for the end. This is a horse-like demon that has origins in Norse mythology, uh, but then spread up to Scotland's Northern Isles. Oh my God, what a great double fucked up origin story yep. right like it's come from the north so you know it's gonna be buck wild going to scotland where you know it's gonna get dark listen it's pretty fucking terrifying let's actually. do it so the nukalevi uh has the man's torso attached to a horse's back as though it were the rider but the torso <gasps> has no legs ah! Uh, but its arms can reach the ground from the position on top of the horse, and the horse's <laughs> legs have fin-like appendages. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. A man's body has a large head that rolls back and forth as though it has no control over it. Um, the equine head is has an enormous gaping mouth that exudes toxic vapor and has a giant eye like a burning red flame. Scotland, what are you doing up there? Oh, and one more thing. 
the Nukalevi has no skin. <gasps> what? <laughs> Is this a dream? Is this a nightmare? Yes, it's a nightmare. It's a literal nightmare. Is this an LSD trip in the bodies exhibit circa 2009? Basically. Oh my God. So it is just a skinless man body attached to a skinless horse body. And it is huge and disgusting. With two long arms and fins and one giant eye of Sauron? Yep. Uh, Its breath will wilt crops and sicken livestock. And it was often said to have emerged from the sea on turbulent days. Uh, Yeah, I bet. Uh, The one weakness that it has is that it can't abide fresh water. So passing over a river will keep you safe. And if it starts raining, you're all good. Fuck. Yeah. Why? Whence? Wherefore? Uh, Yeah. All those things. Agreed. Oh, my God. I'll never be the same. Nope. I kind of figured as much. (laughs) I must say, though, that I enjoy that the the salt versus freshwater bit mm-hmm. is especially if there's no no skin to a thing like salt water is going to have a, a preserving factor you know sure. and so i also it, think they would hurt more but yeah um, yeah because salt water hurts in open wounds and stuff but yeah, it but also it, like, does cleanses. preserve i get right, it i get right. it um and then like salt marshes and things like yeah, bodies yeah. get preserved so I mean, to me, it, it at least makes sense that like the fresh water would have a, a like a degradation sort of effect on on the fucking horrible creature that we're talking about here. But oh my god, that is so that is so specific. It's like my image is like a uh, you know body uh, of a person riding a horse, mm-hmm. either dead and it's all just animated, mm-hmm. or like it was found you know in the ground somewhere and like tragically you know a, a person died on a horse. It's like you know laying decomposing whatever, and you know appendages swell like proportions change yeah there's no more like integrity to the body so yeah. like parts move in ways that parts shouldn't move i don't know about the whole fin aspect i do not want well, to it's from the ocean. further uh okay yeah. all right and you laughed at me earlier about my horse swimming legs okay so we have an example <laughs> leave you alone it's got little fins on it all right so it's, it's got one thing going for it it's uh, all it's already creepy it doesn't need like half fish body too oh hold on wait so which way which way did the fins go I don't know, man. They face backward? They face backwards so they can steer right, right, right. shit. Okay, okay. I just <laughs> made a weird fish move. You super did. Body. <laughs> you just you just moved like a uh, like a zombie with with just like weird weird like shoulder shimmy. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I just want to make sure that the fins weren't facing forward and people were like walking dumbly like a person walking toward a, a diving pool, you know. No, we're good. We're good. Oh boy. Wow. Uh Scotland, man. No one doesn't like you. You know, you're preserving notes and the fact that we're talking about scotland right now actually reminded me of my favorite thing of all time from cheese making history and that is bog butter (gasps) do you not know what bog butter is no it's basically this thing where it's like they make butter and then they just bury it in a bog and like 200 (laughs) years later you can fucking eat that butter because it's so well preserved in the bog and it just tastes like truffles it's fucking amazing Wait, so I mean, they, so they make it now still? They they discover a lot of it. And people still. eat it. Yeah, Jesus. it's like a really fancy like Norwegian thing. Wow. And also like I guess a Scotland thing because they find it in the bogs. You of have Scotland. bogs, yeah, yeah, like peat mosses and things. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, we'll look up a video of uh, of some bog butter later. Cheese is like humanity flirting with death. Yeah, like it's it's like substance from a different animal that can maybe kill you if it isn't pasteurized and also oh we're gonna put mold on it oh it tastes delicious you're gonna, you're gonna make me rant about pasteurization for a second real quick oh no no i i know i, I know it's all fucked yeah 
But you, you don't need to pasteurize your cheese no, you as long don't. as your uh, your quality of stuff is, you know, you're not like mixing animal feces with your milk. Yeah. Like as long as your milk is clean, you do not need to pasteurize your cheese. Yep. Anyway, the FDA is annoying and fuck them. Yep. Uh, I hope that Anukalave visits all of them in their homes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had beer in my mouth, so all I could do is agree. <laughs> but anyway, but just it is so buck wild that we eat uh, milk for the for, for, you know from other animals. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking weird. And also that we like let things get moldy and then eat them and realize that it's great. Like just that humans through trial and error have found out that like mushrooms are fine and mold is good sometimes. Yeah. And also you can just like stir milk a lot and then like get butter. Yeah. I don't know. It's amazing. It's also reminding me of um, I went to a bunch of museums in in Copenhagen where they have like amazingly preserved bodies that were found in bogs and like you can see people's like belts and you can see the knots in their hair and that's why the bog butter works so well it is incredibly interesting Mm -hmm. would you eat bog butter 100 fucking percent i would eat bog butter no me too i'd eat the shit out of it to consume a thing that's 200 years old fuck yes yeah give it to me i'd eat the crap out of power (laughs) <laughs> let me consume and gain its power uh any listeners have access to bog butter um, please send us some. please do not tell us customs and please dm us on twitter for yeah. our address we will we will eat that bog butter on live video okay bye yeah okay um so let's finish up with something a little bit lighter than nookalevies and bog butter all right cool um so we're going to talk about probably the most well-known magical horse uh, at least by Western standards, and that is the unicorn. Oh. Uh, we tend to think of unicorns as a European thing, but actually the first depiction of the unicorn was on formal seals from the Indus Valley civilization. Oh, like on letters and things. Yeah. Wow. Uh, like, a, like a royal seal, yeah. basically. Um, just in case anyone is having trouble picturing a unicorn, they are defined by their single, large, spiraling, pointed horn that comes out of their forehead. I, so listen. We have had some contention in the past about me not realizing that narwhals are real. Um, And I just want to point out creatures that look like other creatures, but otherwise have a gigantic horn on their foreheads in the past have been fake. So like a unicorn is a horse, but with a big horn and it's fake, right? Yeah. It's mythical. Yeah. But But, like, but therefore in my brain logic, a narwhal is a mythical version of a seal. It's not, though. I know, I know that it's and not. And also, it's a whale. It's but not I a just, seal. But I just want for you, I mean, just like, whatever, like big and, no. and seal and whale-shaped, whatever, like big floating marine creature. But like, <laughs> you can just, fight me just on this. In, my, in my brain, that is how those two things mapped against each other. I also really enjoyed the Mists of Avalon as a kid. And um, please continue with your unicorn story. Fight me on narwhals. Just, just do it. Just fight me on them. I would really like now a photo of like a narwhal or like like a t-shirt uh, with the like, I don't know, some kind of narwhal you know, illustration. Anyway. It just says fight me on narwhals. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. Um, so starting in the Indus River Valley, it spreads to ancient Greece uh, and was mentioned in the Bible and then spread to the rest of European folklore during the Middle Ages. Wow. By this point, the unicorn was considered an extremely wild woodland creature and was the symbol of purity and grace. And are they always white? That's an interesting question. In most depictions by the Middle Ages, they're white. Right, these um, like purity. And... But I'm sure that there are some instances in earlier mythology where they are not. I'm just really interested in like what the origins of the unicorn are compared to what we think of them in, you know, again, in Harry Potter, right? Of like, you know, only 
the pure can look at them and they're, you know, all their appendages and magical properties mm-hmm. and they're just like pure white and docile. Um, and I wondered if they were originally a little bit more animalistic. Well, they're definitely not docile oh, really? in uh, the Middle Ages. Uh, legend has it that because of its association with purity, uh, only a virgin was able to capture a unicorn. Right. Otherwise, it was just like, you know, it would rampage and murder people. Oh, wow. Yeah, like the horn is was used for a reason. Wow. You know? Not just like delicately spearing apples off the higher tiers of apple trees. Yes, not just that. <laughs> um, it's actually said that its horn was said to have the power to render poisoned water potable and heal sickness. Wow. If you were to look at mentions of the unicorn in ancient Greece, unicorns were not described in mythology, but instead accounts of natural history. Really? Wow. Yeah. So the Greeks genuinely believed that unicorns existed. I mean, it's not a super far leap. No, like there are not. horned animals, there are horses, you know, it, it's not totally outside the realm of imagining that that, that thing would be legit. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about if you wanted to catch a unicorn for some reason, because many people want to do that. All right. Uh, one traditional method was described by Leonardo da Vinci, actually. Da Vinci, getting your fingers into so many kinds of pies. The unicorn... Through its intemperance and not knowing how to control itself, for the love it bears to fair maidens forgets its ferocity and wildness. And laying aside all fear, it will go up to a seated damsel and go to sleep in her lap. And thus the hunters take it. Oh, wow. Uh, Actually, one of my favorite illustrations of the unicorn is the one that hangs in the cloisters in New York City. Um, it is part of a series of tapestries called the hunt of the unicorn. Uh, but it's most famous one is the unicorn in captivity, which shows a unicorn, which has been, uh, depicted as killed in an earlier panel. Actually is shown alive and well, but chained to a pomegranate tree surrounded by a fence. Wow. What like mythologically laden imagery. Yeah. Uh, it's also surrounded by a field of flowers, which it's like, you just like, look how temp- uh, tempered and like <laughs> docile it is now. Uh, the pomegranate tree actually represents the unicorn's fertility and the unicorn in the middle ages had a very distinct look. So it had a goat's cloven hooves, a goat beard, a lion's tail, and the slender horn. Wow. I, I do super love that humanity just looks at a horn anywhere and is like, must be something good in there mm-hmm. and and just like assumes that it is it is useful somewhere yeah it's like oh that weird thing out of that creature that we probably don't know too much about probably cures like sickness and stuff something it's probably fine let's do it yeah let's just cut it off and make it into a powder and then snort it i guess <laughs> no i think put it in like a poultice <laughs> or maybe or dissolve it in a drink but uh, i don't know i mean like there's there's something about horns that just seems so like antithetical when you compare it to like a soft woodland creature or like a soft bird like i don't know just <laughs> soft the, bird yeah yeah but, but just just the like i like don't a know little sparrows compared to an eagle is that what you mean by soft bird yes i do okay like like a bird that's otherwise just you know adorable and then it has like a super sharp beak you're like oh god uh and and a horse that uh, it looks like it's just meant for grazing in the meadow and then it suddenly has a horn you're like oh my god you know like wh- what okay. are you doing that's fair it just it, it's like it's like a like uh, that meme that's going around now after Thor, uh, Immigrant Song Intensifies, which is the, the title song that they use in I'm the movie. I'm so excited to watch this movie. I haven't seen it yet. It's like Animal Intensifies yes. immediately by the addition of horn. Yes, I, I agree. It's probably that, that good, good horn is messing with all the um, gracious and, uh, I don't know, the graceful and docile nature yeah, yeah. of horses before. And listeners, are we talking about phallic symbols here 
No, we're not. No. Because people have done it before. Yeah. And I don't have time for that. I ain't got time for that shit. Let's move on. Um, so we're actually going to move on to China's version of the unicorn. I bet it's um, super interesting. It's a similar story of a horned chimera-esque horse. It was known as the Kirin or the Kilin, uh, which was said to appear only during the imminent arrival or passing of a sage or illustrious leader. So kind of similar yeah, to yeah. the Longma. Wow. Um, it is depicted as a good omen. Its body is usually on fire. Okay. Uh, Appearance-wise, they have thick eyelashes. Their manes always flow upwards. <laughs> their bodies are partially or fully scaled, but they're shaped like a horse. I really want to see some illustrations now because that sounds deeply uh, trippy. They're very cool. Um, they also have cloven feet and golden antlers instead of the single horn like the Western unicorn. Oh, shit. That though, actually... Though there's some instances where it does have the single horn and also the word in China for the unicorn is the kiran. Uh, that sounds, for the first time, I think, like a mashup of animals, that's pretty cute. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, I think the only other one I can think of is the one that we covered in 30 Myths in 30 Minutes where it was like... A little bunny that has horns and wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one is also super cute. But I mean, in this, in this instance, I'm just picturing like a supermodel with like a fan blowing up at her at all times. As, yes. as like its mane is just always going <laughs> it upward. It is the supermodel <laughs> of horse creatures. And like what better subject to end on? Yeah, I know. Honestly, it's it's just so pretty. I like it a lot. Wow. We, I had to throw in a little bit of positivity at the end there because we got really, really <laughs> negative <laughs> with the Nicolini. Really <laughs> oh, God. I'm just going to keep thinking about that beautiful horse with its golden antler like turning its head in the wind mm -hmm. because otherwise i'll think of the fucking skinless fusion of death and disorder and not sleep again ever thanks jules yeah, you're welcome <laughs> always a pleasure my friend always a pleasure um is there anything else we need to cover before we sign off you know, I wasn't a horse person, but uh, <laughs> sure. there's no shame in it. No, nah, I, I rode horses for several years as a kid, and it was amazing. And, <clears throat> horse lady. Uh, it was a... Listen, I'm trying to get serious here. For a uh, for a, a kid who was not athletic and always felt like gym class was torture and basketball and volleyball and tennis and soccer and all the other sports my parents made me play were just like an exercise in just being humiliated... Um, uh, equestrian was different and i just super i don't know it was amazing to like win an animal's trust and uh to understand how to like move with it to accomplish a goal and it was very very cool and i think that actually explains a lot of why horses are so prominent mythology they're so prominent in our culture and you know the rise of human beings as cultured and like civilized societies has a lot to do with horses absolutely like the the kind of fertile crescent and the sort of certainly like establishment of agriculture and then mechanization of agriculture mm -hmm. and being able to really scale and like start selling produce and i mean all the things that allowed um humanity to uh really settle and divide work and prosper mm -hmm. um in a way that has now fucked a lot of people over but anyway move on uh a lot of that is dependent on on horses yeah. um and they are a pretty huge part of history yeah and that's why we have so much mythology about them absolutely and you know it's it's that idea that you know the human experience it is completely universal in a lot of ways so cultures that have horses of course they're going to have stories about horses and uh i can't think of a better subject julia for which to wish our listeners to stay creepy and stay cool watch out for nukalave Sp 
Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just one dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.